Lord, we just want to thank you for your word, Lord. And that as we gather and we hear it, God, we know that you are speaking. Lord, I thank you just for the collection of, of truth that we just got to hear, the collection of encouragement, the collection of, of, of identity shaping and forming um, instruction that, that we just got to hear. And, and Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us this way. We need that, God. We need it every day. We thank you that it is such a gift that you would give us your words to us, Lord. That you would give us your spirit, Lord, so that we might understand these things, so that we might learn and keep growing in these things together, God. We thank you for the oneness in the body of Christ. Would you help us locally to do that as Harvest Church? Um, Help us to do that this morning, to just get a, a more full picture of what it means to be your people. In your name, amen. Thank you, guys. That was so good. So, so good. I've missed doing that together. Uh, So like I said, it was day camp this last week. Our theme um, was living as God's church, and it was just such a great week together. I want to thank all the people that made that week happen. Um, It was I should not get the credit because it was not just me by any means. Our youth staff who sacrificed time when they thought they had the summer off to some degree with camps being canceled, last minute pulling together and making it worked. There were some of you too that came on random days and at random times to just chip in and help any way you can. You offered magazines or other things, tons of candy. Oh my gosh, there was like a 10 pound bag of candy in my office that the students devoured quickly. Um, but just like giving time, energy, um, finances too, you have blessed us in so many ways over the years and just giving, giving, giving. We as the youth group feel the love of the body of Christ on a regular basis. So thank you that we got to have that this last week. Um, We don't have time this morning to get into all that the church is and what the church does and how it functions and the identity for us as church. That'd be great if we could do that. Um, But I talk enough. You don't need to hear me get into all those things. We're actually going to do a series uh, coming up in the future, though, where we will dive into some of those things. Um, we'll talk about some of the things that we believe here at Harvest of, about what it means to be God's church. So we'll get to flesh some of these things out more. And as we dive back into 1 Peter next week, 1 Peter, too, has some really good exhortation or encouragement to the church and how to live as God's people. We've already seen some of it as, we've, uh, as we dove into chapter 1. And I think even next week, there's, there's some specific uh, instruction to brothers and sisters in Christ and how to live together. So this may not be like your stereotypical sermon because I'll be talking about some of the things that we talked about as youth and we'll be kind of glancing over some passages um, just to keep the time short because of all the other things that we were doing in the service today. But if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's the New Testament After Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, then you come upon 1 Corinthians. And this was the passage that we were in just yesterday. Yesterday was like my favorite day. It was so good. Scavenger hunt that Ben Carlson put together. Students running around figuring out puzzles. And at the end, we we dove into this passage and had such a cool discussion activity to close it. So I just want to invite you guys into what we got to talk about as the church. Starting at verse 12 here, Paul writes this. The body is a unit. 
though it is made up of many parts, uh, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So here he's, he's actually talking about our physical bodies. He's talking about like what you can see here on me, my hands, my feet, my face, all of that, that, that he's using an analogy of the human body. And then, but then he takes it further. And he says, so it is with Christ, verse 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we are all given the one spirit to drink. Paul hits the theme of oneness in the church over and over and over again, that we, even though we are many parts, we are one body of Christ connected to Jesus, who's the head, filled with one spirit, who follows one Lord, one God. Verse 14, now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And I love this. This analogy, how he carries it out, is so funny to me. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, we're talking like Sauron from Lord of the Rings here, not good. Where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And we'll stop there. This first little section, is, as Paul is talking about the body of Christ, and there's many parts, the main kind of theme that I think, or at least I saw and, and, and really seemed relevant for students, was talking about comparison. And, and we as people do that. I know some of the places that it started for me was in elementary school, middle school, high school. That was where comparison was, was at its peak for me, looking at other people, seeing where I stack up. But we still struggle with that within the church too. So if someone who God has made to be an, uh, a, a metaphorical ear looks over at an eye and sees what the eye gets to do, sees that the eye's role is, is to see and the ear's like, ah, seeing is so cool. All I do is hear. Hearing's lame. Who needs hearing? I, I shouldn't even be a part of the body because my role is hearing. Doctors would say, oh, no, no, no. Hearing is just as vital as seeing and we need both working together, right? Sometimes we look at people who have different gifts or different talents or different roles that God has given them to, to contribute to the body and we're like, oh, if only I, I could be them, but I'm not, so I don't even really have a part here. Since I'm not gifted as, as a speaker or a preacher, since, since, um, since I, I can't do anything musically, since I can't do this or can't do that, I, I really just kind of exist here. I don't, I don't even really feel a part of the body. Comparison robs us of the joy that, that we have, that, the God, that God has formed us as his workmanship. Like uh, Parker read in Ephesians, that we each collectively are God's workmanship. And he's created for each of us to do good works that he's set out for us. But then we also have that collectively as well. This last week with the youth group day camp, sure, I spoke. But there was a ton of other people that did a ton of other things where if it was just me speaking the whole time and nothing else, students probably wouldn't have had a very good time. Or if I tried to do all the things, that would have been really hard too. 
I would have been sweating even more than I was trying to run from one thing to the next, right? We need all the parts of the body. And just because you're not an eye or not an ear or some of the parts that seem like they matter more to the body, no, that's not true. Every part, God says, matters and is vital to when we gather together as his church. Colossians 1.8 talks about Christ and says that he, Christ, is the head of the body. He's the brain, or one student said yesterday, he's the control center. And through Christ, so my brain controls if I choose to move my hands, if I choose to speak, it sends a signal to that part of the body to act, to respond to what what my brain is telling it to do. It is the same with Christ and us as his people. He he gives us the, the movement, the motivation. He gives us the ability to act, to speak, to live into the role that God has given each of us as individuals in the body, but also collectively for the work that he wants Harvest Community Church to do here in Camas, Washougal, in Vancouver. And every part is needed, even though they may be different. Keep reading 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 26. Actually, no. Pause there for a second. Um, For me... Like, even though you may see me up here speaking or, or leading worship or doing stuff with youth group, I still struggle with comparison and the insecurities that go with that just as much as the next person. I shared with the youth group yesterday that uh, one of my biggest insecurities in most social circles, but specifically church for whatever reason, is I am never the smartest person in the room. Never. And I will never be close. Uh, I, I mean, I've shared this before. I don't have, I don't have a degree. I struggled through community college. <laughs> uh, I, I'm like one class away from having my AA. And that's something that sometimes if I look at other people, if I, if I look at people who have gone to school, um, I used examples yesterday of like Ben Carlson or Christian or others that are on you stuff that are just really, my wife, geez, she blows me out of the water with smarts. Um, I look at them like, gosh, I just, I don't have that. Uh, what's cool though that God does is that when I see the differences there in Ben and Christian and Kat and some of you out here, people that just, they just know their stuff. Like I can praise God for that, that I'm not like them, that I can learn from them, that they actually contribute things that I can't contribute and that I have other things that God has made me to contribute. When we see a difference between parts of the body members, we should praise God for those differences. You don't want a whole church of mats. We would play a lot of games and like lots of bad sarcasm and bad jokes every Sunday right? You don't want a group of me. There'd be some things that we'd be really good at as people and we would have gaping holes because of of my weaknesses, because of things that I lack, that I don't have. And I need each of you to contribute to me just as I have things that I can contribute to you as well so that we grow in Christ together. 1 Corinthians 12, 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. 
And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. With uh, our students yesterday, I thought of like scenarios where, where there's a person in a group where it's like, gosh, if they just weren't here, things would be better. And we got to admit, we all have social circles like that, unless you're a way better person than I am. Um, but like for students, a lot of time there's that kid in class that if they just weren't here, things would be easier. Everyone would get their work done more. The teacher would be more calm, loving, patient, but that kid is there and everything's tough. Teachers in the room, can I get an amen? Yeah, there we go. Wow, there's more than I thought. Um, <laughs> but right, there's just there's those people that make things hard. In our social circles, it looks different. There's just some people that we have a harder time getting along with. We have a harder time relating to. We're very different in what we think politically. That might be going on in our world just a little bit right now. We might have different beliefs or we might have things that seem like they're opposing. But within the body of Christ, for everyone who is a believer, who has trusted in Jesus, there is no one that is a part of that body that we say, we, we actually don't need them and we'd be better off without them. Sometimes we feel that. In my worst of worst times in my life, I feel that at times. I think that, I have to repent of that because each of us has something to contribute to the body that matters no, how, no matter how different those parts might be. An eye or an ear might say to a belly button, we don't need you. What are you even doing? But the eye or the ear didn't form the belly button or form the big toe or the knee to know its function and its purpose. God, if he is the creator of all and he's the one that's forming his, his body, he knows the function and purpose of every part within the body. No part is dispensable. Every part matters. And some of you need to hear that this morning, that you are indispensable to this body of believers. Not just the people that speak, not just the people that are up here on Sundays. We need people to help with stuff on Sundays, obviously, but we need people making disciples. We need people encouraging people in ministry. We need people praying. We need people sharing scripture. We need people that are sharing the gospel with people. There are so many different ways to contribute to the body and God has something for you to contribute to the whole. And you're indispensable. Our, our, our culture wants us um, so often to just be consumers. We're just hardwired to be consumers. Yes, it's good to receive things as we gather together. It's good to receive good instruction. It's good to take things in um, as, as solid food or spiritual milk as the Bible talks about. But God says it's also good to contribute. And sometimes that's things, time, money, effort. 
but also it, it's a way of being too. The students uh, yesterday were coming up with things that people could contribute um, to the body of believers. And they didn't say things like be on the worship band or preaching or, or teaching or, or anything like that. And those are still good things and, and vital to what we do here. But the things they listed is how we should be together. That there's, there's a how we can be together to contribute. They talked about we need people who are loving. We need people that are filled with hope. We need people that are resilient. We need people um, that are bold. And each one of them, as, as they explained why they shared those things, because sometimes I lack hope. And so I need other people that are filled with hope in the times that I lack hope to be reminded of my hope in Christ. I need people that are resilient when when suffering happens, when life just gets crazy and out of hand. I need other people to to help me push through. I talked about when I work out, which is not often, it is always better with someone else because they are pushing me to be more resilient. In this cultural moment, we need people to push us to be resilient as God's church holding on to the truth of the gospel onto the hope that we have stored for us in heaven and sharing that with broken people in all walks of life. We need people that have that picture because it's so easy the second you get on Facebook or Instagram or the news, wherever, to all of a sudden go down this rabbit trail where you don't feel very resilient anymore about the right things. All parts matter and are indispensable. And in that too, because we are one, God says to share in each other's sufferings. I think that's something that we actually do pretty well here as a church. When when someone gets a new diagnosis, when somebody loses a job, um, when someone loses a loved one, this, this group of people, this body of believers comes around that person. But we can still grow in that. There's people that sometimes still, like this is something we talk about with youth staff, like we don't want any students to slip through the cracks. And so in that, we have to to know each other, love each other, and it's a two-way street. It's us seeking to, to, to know the needs of other people in this space, but also making your needs known. That is vital. When I was in high school, I would do the thing um, where, because I wanted to be cool, I guess, where if I saw my friend walking down, we had this breezeway that would connect our buildings for school. I wanted my friend to notice me first and be the one to, what's up, before I did it, right? And so then sometimes I'm like watching from afar, locked onto him, like, are they going to say it first? Because I don't want to look dumb and say what's up to them and they don't even see it. Anybody ever? No, just me? Okay, cool. Um, where, and we do this even like driving or at the store, like, ah, how do I make the first move here? Um, but I always wanted to be the one that was the recipient, not the one that initiated. And we can't live that way as Christians with one another. We both should receive the blessing from one another, the life from one another that we have in Christ, but also we should be be the one that initiates those conversations. If you are hurting, if you are struggling in your faith, reach out to someone. Don't just wait. And then we gather around one another. But also, brothers and sisters, we should be looking to the needs of others. If you could with me, Turn to Philippians chapter 2. That's just a couple books to the right. It's pretty small. Um, You'll see 
Ephesians. You'll see uh, Galatians, Ephesians, and then Philippians. Oh, and the other thing, not only do we share in sufferings, but we rejoice together. That's one of the reasons that we sing. We rejoice in one voice of who God is, what he's done, and we declare that together. This is true about who God is, what he's done, and how he is changing us as his people. We rejoice when when somebody else gets the promotion and you didn't, and you've been wanting it in your job for a long time. You rejoice This one's hard, and I've never gone through this, so I have no idea what it's like, but the Lord just brought it to mind where someone has a baby, and you and your wife or you and your husband have struggled to have a child for years. But you rejoice with with the one who, who, who receives the child. That is not like the world. It's not like the world to... To even though you may be lacking something or even though you may not feel like you have the same joy as them, but to join in with their rejoicing and rejoicing with those who rejoice. In Philippians 2, Paul writes how we should do this, the, the kind of attitude in order to live as a body this way, this is what we have to take on. Philippians 2 verse 1. This is one of my favorite passages. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Paul says if you have shared in the comfort of God's love, if you have sharing in the spirit, if you have sharing in the body, if you have received these things as Christians, well then now this is your response. This is how you should live. And the two main things, or at least things that stand out to me that he says here for how we should live together, how we should be the church, is to do nothing out of selfish ambition. I learn more and more as I get older how selfish I actually am. Marriage is one of those things that really reveals that. But also, when I started, when I just started trying to serve other people, when I came on youth staff, that was also really refining for me. I remember this, this moment right over there at that basketball hoop. We're playing basketball, and that was something I loved. And I'm doing everything I can to be awesome. And I probably, like, even knocked down a student or something like that. Some middle school girl that was like, I want to play. Just, like, hip check, and she's gone. Um, Because I wanted to score. And then all of a sudden, and this isn't just me, it's the Lord. He is like, God's like, Matt, what are you doing? Who is this about? Is this about you? Like, aren't you here to serve students? 
And it took me years, Greg can attest to this, um, to, to stop being so competitive in, in youth group games, which are really fun, but really silly when we think about what actually matters in this life, right? And for God to refine that in me, to not think about myself. We all have places, we have spaces where, where our natural default is just to look out for number one. And there are people and there are situations that really test that. To actually do nothing out of selfish ambition. Nothing that is me first. But instead, as Paul says, to consider others better than yourselves. And he doesn't just say to do this because it's a good thing to do, or we're just supposed to be good people. No, he connects it that we live this way because this is what Christ has done for us. He says that Christ humbled himself. He left the heavenly realms. The king of everything humbled himself, became a man, the one who all things were created through, created for, the very word, came as a man, humbled himself, and served. We see pictures of this as Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. The grimiest, dirtiest spot of a person, and he stoops down and serves. And he does that over and over again. He interacts with the leper when no one else would. Because he, he, he's, he's considering the leper of importance. And Paul makes the connection, the ultimate way we see this is that he goes to the cross and he dies. That he becomes obedient to death, the eternal one. Obedient to death, even death on a cross in the most humiliating fashion. And that he did that as a, as, as a blessing and to serve us as his people so that we might receive the gift of God, right relationship with the Father, and then his invitation to us is now because you have been served this way, just as God said to Abraham, because you have been blessed, now be a blessing. Because you have been served this way by Christ, now serve one another. Serve the world. Consider one another better than yourselves. Can you imagine how different the world would be if everyone lived that way? Just think about everything that's going on in our world right now. If every single person considered every other person on the planet of more importance and were serving them, we wouldn't have wars. There wouldn't be racism. There, there wouldn't be people who are going hungry. There wouldn't be those that are lost in the education system. There wouldn't be those on the streets. Like if everyone truly bought into this as God's people, and we know the world's very broken, and that's not the way things are, but that's the way God intended things to be. And that's what I believe his kingdom will be like. Is that we will be considering one another of greater importance because we know that we have Christ. And it's better to live this way. I need to finish. Brothers and sisters, you need the body of Christ. And the body of Christ needs you. I heard Jen Wilkins say that recently on a podcast I listened to. You need the body, and the body needs you. I am stronger in my faith. I'm walking with Jesus more consistently because I belong to a body, and I have people who are contributing to my faith and refining me 
through really good things and through hard things as well. God uses it all because we will come up against each other at times and it will be hard. But he says, iron sharpens iron. That's how we grow. We actually have to learn how to not be selfish, but to serve one another. But the body needs you too. And there are specific roles that here at Harvest we would love help with. We need people to be elders. We need people to be deacons. We need people to greet on Sundays. We need people that want to make disciples and are ready to meet with young men and women, old men and women, and walk with them as they grow in their relationship with Jesus. We need people in children ministry to love our younger kids. We need people in youth ministry, in college ministry. But we also, like the students pointed out, we need people who are resilient. We need people who are filled with hope, that are filled with faith. We need people to share the gifts that God has given them to contribute to the whole of his body. And you're indispensable. That's not me saying that. That's God's word saying that. If you are a believer, you are indispensable to this local body and the global body. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us to live this way? God, I I know just even as I speak, I just have such a long way to go with both seeing myself this way when I gather with your people and seeing others this way. And we know we, we want to be obedient, Lord, to follow this because you say it's good, but also but because we believe it's good, that we've tasted and seen that it's good. It's better to give than it is to receive. Lord, would you help us to get outside our comfort zones, to just grow as, as your children in this, Lord, knowing that you hold all things together. You are the head. And that if you say that we can contribute and we have importance to to being your house, to being your people, then we trust you, God. Would Would you help us, Lord, to see ourselves collectively in a right way and to respond to you as our Lord and our Father, the head of the church. In your name, amen.